Tonight, we talk about an absolutely huge conspiracy theory. So get your tinfoil hats and your fully functioning compass ready. Why should you work with Ed Locke? A better question is, why wouldn't you work with him? He is a proud to support an amazing lender, USA Mortgage. When you work with them, you can expect a home financing experience that is free of hassles and headaches. They have complete control over your loan due to in-house operations such as processing, underwriting, closing, and funding. USA Mortgage represents a lot of fantastic things, but they are especially thrilled to partner in several community outreach programs, including Habitat for Humanity, Home Sweet Home, Veterans Community Project, and many, many more. They love going to work every day, which means they love working for you. Ed wants to be your lender for life, so reach out to him today and get the journey started. If you would like more information, please reach out to Edlock at area code 502 680 NMLS 448-908, USA Mortgage NMLS 227-262. USA Mortgage is an equal housing lender. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions may apply. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. scoured the podcast world and finally found us newsworthy with steve and jerry where we delve into all things mysterious macabre or out of this world and decide if they are truly newsworthy two words and two question marks Jerry, 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 I am so sad tonight. Why is that? Man, I asked my girlfriend yesterday if I was the only one she'd been with. And? She told me, yeah. Everybody else were nines and tens. That's brutal. (laughs) That is absolutely brutal. (laughs) What a better way to start the show with than just Busting out with a dad joke right out of the get go. Especially when it's not a very good one. <laughs> that one's good. That one's been around a while, it's been used for a while, but it's, it's still a good one. Probably better than mine. This is mine. I don't know if you heard, but a local pharmacy got broke into. A couple of guys broke in and stole all the Viagra. Really? Police, yeah, all of yeah, it? Yeah, sad. So, gonna have to go somewhere else if you need some. But the good news is the police did put out an alert to be on the lookout for two hardened criminals. <laughs> no, I'm not. And no, I don't. Because I'm a one. Why do I need to impress anybody? <laughs> if we had video, you'd see that. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. <laughs> so, Jerry, in the teaser... We we teased Very. a huge conspiracy theory tonight. 
to the tune of roughly a half million square miles huge. 500,000 500, square miles. Wow. That's huge, right? That's pretty huge. It's probably the biggest one we've done so far. Absolutely. So what is it? The Bermuda Triangle. Ooh-wee. That ought to be fun. Absolutely. Who's starting this one? Well, let's talk about a little history in the okay. Bermuda Triangle, let's shall we? Things of weird stuff go, first of all, before we get into it, I'm not drinking any wine today, just so everybody knows. It makes me sad. Normally, I have some sweet, cold red, but... Uh, There's another kind of wine? <laughs> no, no. I've heard. Stella Rosa hasn't provided us <laughs> with any any yep. sponsorship yet, so we don't have any tonight. But um, So, the Bermuda Triangle. Basically, just some history about it. If you could take a pencil and draw a line from Miami to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and from Puerto Rico up to Bermuda and then back to Miami, that is the dreaded Devil's Triangle, Triangle, Bermuda Triangle, whatever. Now, there are reports of strange happenings in here all the way back from the time of 1492 when Christopher Columbus first came to the Americas. Um... He saw flashing and flying fireballs, as he called it, um, mermaids, monsters, all in this area. Um, and we'll get into all this stuff and reports in a little while. The one that really probably gave the Bermuda Triangle its name, and there were several, the, the Sea Venture in 1609, the Patriot being sunk in 1812, the USS Pickering was sunk in 1800. Here, there's lots and lots of stuff that's happened in the Bermuda Triangle. To the tune of, over since the mid-19th century, over 8,000 lives and disappearances has happened in the Bermuda Triangle. That's a lot of people. It is. On the surface. <laughs> See what I did there? Surface. <laughs> At least what makes 50, you think those bodies are still floating on the surface? <laughs> At least 50 ships, over 20 airplanes, have disappeared in the tri in the, the Bermuda Triangle, and most of those have done so without a trace. Um, and we'll get into all the reasonings and the the cool things there. But this thing really, really took um flight, if took you will. Flight. There you go. In in December of 1945, um, Flight 19, uh, the TBF Avengers, there was five of those, 14 airmen, uh, were lost at sea. Uh, and then later, that same day, a PBM Mariner, which is a, a actual plane that can land in water, also was lost. Without which was sent to, to rescue them. the five. Yes. Right. There was two of them sent up. And the one that was lost was lost within 20 minutes of, of leaving the, uh, the Florida coast. Um, since then, there have been numerous, uh, and we'll get into some of the details of Flight 19 in a minute, but there's been numerous. There was a DC-54 uh, crash. Pilot lost control in turbulence, and I'm using air quotes there. A Star Tiger was lost, six crew, 27 passengers. Uh, lost right off of Kenley Field in Bermuda. A DC-3 in 1948, 
three crew, 36 passengers en route from San Juan to Miami. Um, lots and lots and lots of airplanes, lots and lots of ships, and lots of ghost ships, which we'll get into those as well. The Bermuda Triangle has off, you can't talk to a local in Miami or Bermuda or Puerto Rico that doesn't have a story about somebody they knew or somebody's uncle's brother's cousin's sister-in-law who had something happen to him in the triangle. Probably one of the best known ships to be lost was in 1918. The USS Cyclops uh, left Barbados and within just a few short hours lost all three on a very clear day. It was noted uh, lost was lost with 306 crew and passengers en route to Baltimore. Um, on a clear day, no um, Mayday call at all. Whatever happened to it, happened pretty quick. Yep. I'm doing a lot of talking, Jerry. Yes, but- you are. <laughs> I don't want to start arguing, disputing with you just quite yet. So, Well, there you go. I appreciate let that. you just going to let me sit out here. That's yeah, all right. Much. That's okay. So let's go back to the one that caused it the most. Um, and that would be Flight 19. And let me pull up my notes here, Jerry, because notes are a good thing to have. And you wonder why you see, I just want to say this in uh, in uh, most terms, because Jerry often makes fun of me because I have like six notepads around here that I keep notes on. He's like, why don't you just put them on Gmail or whatever? And I'm like, digital. Digital. And this is why, because I have to search for them and look for them. And end up with 17 tabs open, and I don't know where the music's coming from. He says that, but do you want to tell folks what happened a couple of weeks ago when you left all of your physical notes at work? (laughs) Hey, nobody knew that. At least when I have digital notes. I may have to look for them, which I really don't, because I (laughs) I use Google Drive. I have a folder called Podcast, and I, before I leave the house, I always upload my file to there. So I may have to look for it for 10 seconds, but I don't have to worry about leaving it at home. All right. So let's get into Flight 19 just a little bit. Uh, we could spend four or five hours on the weirdness and the the intricacies of what happened to Flight 19. We're not going to do that because we, you know, we want to seek the truth here and newsworthy. So we're gonna we're gonna cover this real quick and then we're gonna get into what we believe is the Bermuda Triangle, okay? So, Flight 19, it was a designation of a group of five General Motors TBM Avenger torpedo bombers that disappeared in in December 5th, 1945, after losing contact with the U.S. Navy over water. Uh, All 14 men on the flight were lost. There's 13 crew members of the Mariner flying boat that was launched uh, to help save them. the, the bombers were led by Lieutenant Charles Taylor. And just for a, si- a note aside, he actually had came to the, the briefing that morning and tried to find someone to lead other than him. He didn't want any part of this mission today for whatever reason. But stick that in your cap, your tinfoil cap there, and just hang on to it for a little while. Um, 
First of all, these were all experienced fighters. Um, all of them, as far as I'm aware, had all had time in the uh, in the war, and they were doing a training op to drop torpedo bombs, um, and that was the last successful thing they'd done. Immediately after their they um, their training run, uh, run out a lot, run out of bed. Immediately after their training run, uh, they planned to make a turn to the north, another ninety degree turn to the south as part of their you know their waypoint finding and bring it on back. That's where problems started. Now Lieutenant Taylor. Uh, was not a novice air, air, aircraft pilot. He had 2,500 flying hours, mostly in this particular kind of aircraft. Each of the trainee pilots that he had had 300 and at minimum 60 flight hours with the Avenger. Um, Taylor had completed a combat tour in the Pacific Theater as a torpedo bomb upon the USSS Hancock. Um, and he had re- just recently arrived tonight uh, to Miami um, to help with the torpedo bombing plane and to be an instructor. Uh, the other members of his crew were Marine Captains Joseph Edwards, or Edward Powers, I'm sorry, uh, George Stivers, uh, Forrest Gerber, Joseph Bossy. Um, anyway. So these guys go out, they drop their bombs perfectly, mind you, and then they are designed to take a left turn. They're going to go up and then back down, and that's where things went haywire. There are actual, and we're not going to play them here because I, the the audio would not be good. I could read them to you, but that's not very good. But basically, uh, there was a a, a pilot, on the coast who heard them and heard their final talks. Not only that, the radars, they, they, it got to a point that they were arguing amongst themselves as to which way to go. Colonel Taylor thought that they were over the Baham or over the Florida Keys when they had actually flown over the Bahamas. Um, according to what most people believe, um, which I can't imagine getting turned around to the point after you've successfully done your bombing mission, how you think you've spent the time to get all the way back down to the Florida Keys, because crazy. But by all accounts, they had two different sets of uh, um, uh, compasses on their planes. Both compasses were, were, and according to his word, he'd lost both of his compasses. and instead of just heading west, he continued to head east. And if you're on the Florida coast or anywhere near the Florida coast, if and you, you head, head east, east, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. With a small plane. Yeah. If you have I a mean, very large plane with a enough fuel to get you to Europe, you're, you might be okay. There's a reason most of our European flights go across north, across Greenland. As opposed to going flat across exactly. the, the ocean. When you take the round globe and spread it out, right. that is actually a straight line when you arc up through Greenland. And if you... <laughs> I'm glad you bring that up. Because 
if you and I am not, first of all, let me say this, but if you're a flat earther, that's a big problem. That's one of the things the flat earthers say. Oh, that's because it makes so much more sense, but it really doesn't. <laughs> Very true. I would add this. Sure, this please. is not the first time that Lieutenant Charles Taylor was lost at sea. Yeah. It happened three times. The first two, they did get bearings figured out. He was able to be brought home. In this case, unfortunately, all indications are, as you said, they continued to fly west into the Atlantic Ocean. They ran out of fuel and crashed. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the big thing that makes this the Bermuda Triangle's issue and not a human error is the fact that all of their um, uh, compasses were acting crazy. But you don't need your compass to tell you which, you know. East from west. East from west, especially in the middle of the day. You have the sun to yes. do that. I mean, that's very rudimentary, very basic. Absolutely. I've lost all my entries. Where's the sun going? Oh, that way. <laughs> Pretty simple. One would think. One would Should've think. Been. Should have, been. Should have been very simple. Should have been pretty routine. And unfortunately, you know, but when you look at the history, whether it's Bermuda Triangle or anywhere, people do get lost, you know. And, but you're right. This is the one that catapulted the Bermuda Triangle to, to its level of notoriety. This is the one that made it famous when the the five bombers went on a routine training mission and never returned. And this is the one that uh, started the the phenom of the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. The other one was the USS Cyclops in 19. Uh, this happened in 1918, which was at the time, and I still think it holds the record, uh, the, the ship was lost, 306 crew. Uh, was the single largest loss, loss of life in the history of the Navy, not directly involving combat. Um, and this ship was thought to have been captured or sunk by German raiders or submarines because she was carrying 10,800 tons of manganese or used to produce munitions. But the German authorities at the time and subsequently have denied any knowledge of the vessel. Uh, most people seem to think she sank in an unexpected storm because the, the ship was lost. The problem with that is the skies were completely clear when the ship was lost. There's there's recorded history showing that the day that this ship sailed, there was no storms in the area. Um, pretty large area. Pretty large area. I yeah. mean, and very From little Barbados land. From Barbados to Bar Baltimore. Very little land. Yeah. So... What you know that makes me wonder. Nineteen eighteen, how accurate Miami forecasts were of the Bermuda Triangle area? Because you're talking about a, a huge amount of, like we said, a half a million square yeah. miles, and ninety nine point nine percent of it's over water. Yeah, but this is not like a, a, a pleasure boat. Nineteen thousand tons. Length was five hundred and forty two feet, sixty five feet wide. Uh, 27 feet of it underwater. So this this Large ship here. was designed to, to sail in the ocean. Um, and we're going to get to some things, and I'll, I'll tell you what I believe sunk this ship, uh, because 
One of the things that we're going to get into here very shortly is one of the things I absolutely believe probably was the demise of this ship. Okay. Yeah. So, just a few of the things that have happened here. But, you know, here at Newsworthy, we're not here just to, to eat the pudding and drink the Kool-Aid. We like to, we like to get in and, and find out if, if this has any merit to it. Right. And what have we decided on the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle, Jerry? Do well, you want to spoil it now, or do you just sure. want to tear it apart? <laughs> well, I, we can go ahead and spoil it, and we didn't decide it. It was decided basically in 1975. In 1975, Larry Cush came out with a book called The Bermuda Triangle Mystery Solved, and he was a, uh academician, and, and his book took that approach. It investigated, it looked at the numbers, and it basically said there is no mystery, that there's no conspiracy theory. And it started with the fact that the number of ships and aircraft reported in the area is not so significantly different from that of any other major traveled area of any ocean in the world. So his thing was, when you look at the numbers, there's no more ships gone missing here than in most areas. There are no more airplanes missing than in other similar areas. Secondly, he noticed that the majority of what had been written and said about it was distorted, meaning they often failed to mention things such as storms. They often didn't represent the disappearances having happened in calm conditions when there was meteorological records that, that clearly stated otherwise. Well, I was going to say, you say storms. This area is hurricane prone. Sure. I mean, just south of it, I mean, there are, we are currently in hurricane season now, Absolutely. and storm after storm after storm are lined up just to hit this particular area. And we'll right talk now. about it later. Yeah. In the last 50 years, there's been only a small handful. The number of supposed occurrences in that area dropped dramatically from 1975 on. And there's only been a handful since, one of which happened during, it was a boat that disappeared and it happened during a hurricane. Well, that's not that strange when a small boat goes dis- or disappears during a hurricane. <laughs> Another thing that... Uh, what? A boat disappeared during a hurricane? Yeah, no, who would have thought it? Another thing that Cush noted was in a lot of the articles that are written, and obviously... The articles are being written, the shows were being made for to get publicity. There was many times when the research was sloppy at best. For instance, a boat disappeared and maybe was talked about considerably, uh, but the show wouldn't mention that the boat was found a week later. The boat <laughs> wouldn't mention the, the storms, as we mentioned earlier. Some disappearances had, in fact, never even happened. One plane crash was said to have taken place in 1937 off Daytona Beach, Florida, in front of hundreds of witnesses. There was no missing plane. It, it, the entire thing was fabricated. Uh, so, and to this day, the United States Coast Guard, uh, every agency from the United States or other countries as well, says the exact same thing. That statistically, that there is... You're no more likely to have an incident in the area of the Bermuda Triangle than you are in any other highly traveled area of this ocean or any other ocean. So, with that being said, apparently a lot of people have made some good money writing articles or 
making TV shows about something, trying to create a problem that doesn't exist. That does not mean in any stretch of the imagination that there aren't multiple events that are still mysterious and unexplained. It simply means when you look at the total overall numbers, it's no more likely for that to happen here than it is in the Indian Ocean or somewhere else. Well, but Jerry, you just sucked everything right out of. I just did what now? You just sucked all the the wind right out of the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, but I mean, if, like you said, if we're going to claim to try to take a, you know, an objective look at it, we have to do that objectively and and say what we think. Are you sure it wasn't aliens? Um, there's, There's a lot of things that people say it could be. How can you argue against the alien theory? You know, I, I don't know where to start with that. <laughs> I just, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I think that, what what is the guy's name that has the theory that usually the easiest answer is probably the answer? Yeah. You know what I'm talking I, I, about? I know what you're talking about. I don't know the guy's name, but you, you're absolutely true. Another thing I forgot to mention, um, UK Channel 4. Uh, came out with a television program in 1999 called the Bermuda Triangle. And John Simmons from Geo Films made a big deal of this, and I think it is noteworthy. Lloyds of London was asked if there is an unusually large number of ships that had sunk in the Bermuda Triangle. Lloyds of London is? Huge insurance agency. Right. They said that the number of ships uh, is not that have gone missing there is not abnormal. When asked if the rates for any ship who primarily traverses this area on a routine basis is any different from other areas, they said that they could 100% confirm that the rates were absolutely no different for that area than ships going anywhere else. So if an insurance agency believes that it's just as safe to travel there as it is anywhere else, there's probably a lot to be said for that. Keep in mind, the United States Coast Guard says the exact same thing as well. So, what do you think? Are they full of crap? Well, Was I, it aliens? No, I, I don't. But here, here's a few things that, over the years, are theories that have directly affected the Bermuda Triangle. And, quite frankly, will affect most of the oceans at some point, form, or fashion. Okay. Um, so one of the big things, back when we had still had sailing ships, um, there is an, a, a whole sea inside the Bermuda Triangle called the Sargassium Sea. Okay. Basically, they're known as sea grapes. It's a marine type of brown algae. It's very thick. And if you are in a, um, a uh, sailing ship, It is thick enough to slow and even stop your ship if you get into a big patch. And you actually have to put people off the ship, cutting it off of the rudders because you have no way of controlling the ship. You have to cut it out of your way as the ship starts moving. It is a nightmare. Sounds like it. Um, Also, when it comes to the surface, when it's a problem, right, it rots because of the sun. And... As it rots, it gives off a, a, a sulfuric smell that is actually a very uh, hazardous smell or volatile smell to humans. So a lot of the ghost ship type 
um, situations that we talk about, most people believe that those particular ships unfortunately got caught up in a bunch of this sar- sargassum algae, um, and their crews couldn't get fresh water because they were stuck and ended up drinking the salt water, becoming very dehydrated, which leads to hallucinations, and they probably just got off the boat. would be a tough way to go, wouldn't it? would be an absolute miserable way to go. But it's also a scientifically proven way that it happens. <laughs> um, we, let's, let's go back to the USS Cyclops. Okay. Just because the reports that day, was it a clear day when the ship left, doesn't mean that there wasn't storms in the area, like you alluded to. And there are videos today in every single ocean of what's called a rogue wave. Now, these rogue waves are a lot different than normal waves. First of all, they can be up to 70 feet in height, and they're not slow. You know, most waves are very slow building, look sort of like a mountain, you know, and they go. The rogue waves push all that water straight up. So we're talking 75 feet up, but they're not very wide. So what happens if you hit one of these, especially in the bigger ships, your ship will go up the wave, crest, crashing down. And if it can't support its weight, guess what happens? While it's at the top, it breaks in half. Yep. So when it comes down, it has nowhere to go. And of course, a ship that has been broken half sinks very, very and fast. And even if that didn't happen. When well, it's it going to be the effect of most ships to fall seventy five feet. It's going to so it'll go straight down into the water and some and submerge itself one way or the other. Most scientists believe that ships the size of the Cyclops, with the power, it was a powered ship. It was not a sailing ship. Believe that a rogue wave is probably what ended ended those three hundred six um, lives on that on that day. Um, those are caused, especially in, in it, the Bermuda Triangle is especially susceptible because you have the opportunity for multiple storm systems and storm fronts to be pulling the ocean in different ways. Yep. And when that happens, that's when these waves tend to tend to show. There are some hella scary videos that we have of ships, modern day ships, that get hit by these rogue waves. Now, the ships are now built to withstand or to at least have a better shot, and the captains have an under, a better understanding, uh, understanding of how, what to, how to deal with these type waves. But they still pose a threat today. Sure. Um, but I just can't imagine. Can you imagine just the, the water looks all good, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, with no warning, <laughs> there's 75 feet of water in front of you? Yeah. Crazy. Oh, absolutely. Crazy. Another similar type explanation scientists believe for part of the problems of ship sinking is something called methane hydrates. Yes, I've seen this. And an explanation for some of the disappearances has focused on the presence of large fields of methane hydrates, which is a form of natural gas on the continental shelves. Laboratory experiments carried out in Australia have proven conclusively that bubbles can indeed sink a scale ship by decreasing the density of the water. Which throws off the buoyancy of the ship. Exactly. Yeah. Depending upon the weight of the ship, it can absolutely, suddenly you're sailing along and you hit this area of high methane hydrates and there's not enough buoyancy to keep you afloat. So you sink. You like sink. A rock. 
Another problem with buoyancy for for those people that don't understand is the reason that you can have a cruise ship the size of four city blocks and it not that's made of metal and heavy. That's the reason anything stays afloat. Yes, buoyancy doesn't matter if it's a limb that's fallen into a creek on a much smaller scale, but you know on a big scale. And when you lose the buoyancy, you're going to go down. Right. This and Another reason that so many people believe for so long that something mysterious was happening was the fact that a ship would disappear. They knew the route that it was supposedly on. And even days, weeks later, they come through and they search the bottom of the ocean floor on that path and there's nothing there. This is in the the Gulf Stream is extremely strong in this area. And in many cases... It's been proven that the Gulf Stream will simply carry the debris for miles and miles and miles out to shore. And uh, that can and often does happen. So, yeah, whether it's violent weather, whether it's methane hydrates, whether it's um, one of the other things that we've mentioned, the bottom line is this area is no more dangerous. And if you find out that you're going to Bermuda, uh, Bahamas, wherever in that vicinity on vacation, there's no reason to be alarmed uh, scientifically, statistically. You're just as safe in that area as you are anywhere else. That's my opinion. Yeah. You? Oh, absolutely. You had asked me a long time ago if I would, when I got my license to fly, you asked me if I would have any hesitation, and the answer was no. No. Um, because, A, we have modern tools. We have modern abilities to uh, uh, navigate, and everything is, and especially in a plane, is redundant. So we don't have just a system now. We have, and we're trained to use multiple systems. So, anywho, um, so there is one other thing that we didn't cover. What's that? and it's probably the neatest one for me because okay. I'm kind of a, a, a rock nut. Um, Bermuda is a volcanic island, right? Um, much like Hawaii. The difference is Hawaii's lava flow, where the lava comes from to, you know, we, we can go anytime we want and see, you know, lava flows on the islands of Hawaii. It's just a constant ooze, if you will. Those are only 200 miles deep. Okay. The one in Bermuda is 400 miles deep, and it brings up lots of this magnetic rock. It's called magnetite. You can buy it in bulk. It, it's not very expensive. I found an ad on eBay. You can find five pounds of this for uh, $14.95. <laughs> not that expensive. Not that expensive. But what it does is anytime that you get a compass next to a magnet, um it tends to throw the magnet off. There's also another reason that this particular area is funny for magnets, especially if you're not, uh, or for compasses, especially if you're not accustomed, which you'll get to in just a second. But the magnetite is the island. So there is a lot of it here, and it's just uh, it's just one of those so other things. So you're saying the compasses don't work in Bermuda? No, no, I think they do. I just think that there's, if you have a really inexpensive or a, a, a cheap compass, it's probably very likely to be messed up by the magnetite in Bermuda. If you have a professional-grade compass, it shouldn't be affected at all. 
Gotcha. That's all. Just neat. I just like that. But I think, like you were saying earlier, going back to the the date and time when the majority of these strange, inexplicable things right. were happening, the equipment being used, I'm sure, wasn't nearly as good. It wasn't nearly as advanced and probably was more susceptible to these errors that you're referring to. Yeah, 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 exactly. I would agree. So, I, I, let's look at recent events. Sure. We talked about the fact that in the, uh, what, from 1900 to uh, 1960, there were a ton of events reported. Uh, In the last 50 years, on the other hand, there's not been that many. For aircraft, I could only find three instances of aircraft that have gone missing in June uh, 20th, 2005. A PA-23 Piper went missing, was flying between Bahamas and Fort Pierce, Florida. There were three people on board. 2017, there was a Turkish Airlines flight that was forced to change its direction. Uh, There were some mechanical and electrical problems that occurred over this triangle area. And that plane did not disappear. In 2017, a private MU-2B aircraft was at 24,000 feet when it vanished from radar and plane wreckage was found later. So it's a plane that went missing in the air and you know, was not heard or seen from since. Unfortunately, this happens. You know, there's mechanical equipment failures. Uh, what was the, what was the, sh- the, the flight? Malaysian yeah, airline the Malaysian flight airline. that ended up somewhere in the South Indian Sea. Yeah, they still found it. Yeah, <laughs> they, they did find wreckage that yeah. washed up on shore, New Zealand or somewhere down there, I think. But, uh, yeah, the, the majority of the airplane was never found. That This, unfortunately, does happen. Those are the only three instances of strange events that have occurred in the last 50 years for aircraft in that area. Now, I, you and I looked, both of us looked for top 10 areas of the oceans and the seas that are dangerous. Right. The one that you had found... The Bermuda Triangle wasn't even listed. Didn't make it in the top 10. The one I found, it is listed. It's listed number 10. But I'd I'd like to cover the other nine and give you the reasons why they list them. Sure. Just to show you, as far as modern shipping goes, what the the scope has changed to as far as what the dangers are. Right. So the number one is the Indian Ocean. Uh, It says here that temperature is the main problem here and over... um, Overuse, lots of tankers. For those that don't know, China, most of China's goods that come to the United States comes through the Indian Ocean. So just our consumption alone triggers a bunch of that. Sure. But the weather there, the Indian Ocean is probably one of the smaller oceans on the planet, and it is very warm. They have a lot of hurricane issues like we do, where the water creates these massive storms. Uh, Number two, Margarita Island. Uh, This is about pirates. Uh, Keep that in the back of your mind because we're going to be revisiting that. But basically, this is right off the coast of Venezuela, and it has become a miniature pirate haven. They They target tourist yachts that have little protection and usually have valuables on board. So if you're a yacht person, don't go around Venezuela. Cape Horn, which is at the very southern tip of... Uh, South America. It has been dangerous since Magellan first found it. 
don't 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 ship down there. It's why we made the. It's one of the reasons we made the Panama, Panama Canal. Canal. Sure. <laughs> Uh, because the weather there is intense. It's where the warm waters from the Pacific, the cooler Atlantic, and all of that's joining right down there at the Arctic Ocean as well. So there's all kinds of crazy going on down there. Number four, anywhere around Indonesia. Just don't go. Again, pirates. Major shipping routes there. Pirates do not care to hop on your freighter and take it over, steal all your loot, and send you home dead in a box. Uh, Cape of Good Hope. Now this is located. Um, where is this? Oh, oh, it's it's near. Where is that? Sorry, I was having a, a brain fart there. Basically, it's weather related. Knowns of having clocked wind knots of up to thirty knots all the time, mixed with shallow waters, and all of the the the, the land next to it are rocky cliff edges. Makes it very, very perilous, especially for small craft. Did you figure the out what Atlantic coast of South Africa. Yeah, okay. There we go. So it's on the western side of South Africa. Yep. Nice. What about this one, Jerry? The Gulf of Aden, A-D-E-N. No idea where that's at. This is another area uh, that is of increasing concern to NATO. Uh, and they have actually issued warnings against vessels coming around here at all because of pirates. Uh, it, if you do go through it, they ex they want you to hire professionals to defend you against the pirates. Where's that at? Um, Deepwater Gulf on the Indian Ocean. It connects the Red Sea and the Arabian Sea. It's located gotcha. between Yemen and Somalia. Makes a lot of sense. Yes, it does. Number seven. That's for the, uh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, Tom Hanks movie, wasn't it? Where the, the guys took over the ship and then the United States Navy comes and takes care of them, uh -huh. kills them. I would look that up. Huh. Well, while you're looking that up, look up the Strait of Malacca. M-A-L-A-C-C-A. It is also for piracy. <laughs> So we have not went back to the days of Blackbeard, but yeah. there are pirates all over the world. Situated between Indonesia and Malaysia, it's a 900-kilometer long strait of Malacca, which, due to its narrow geography, is the perfect spot for ambushers to assault passing ships. Coordinated patrols by several governments have seen crime dramatically reduce, but if the, you don't see a, a, a police boat be wary of all other boats in the area. The Gulf of Guinea, which is on the eastern side of... Where did you go away like that? Stop that. The Gulf of Guinea, which is replacing Somalia as the piracy hotspot of the world. Mainly large tankers and cargo ships. And they ransom those off. It's bad. They say don't even go there unless you have armed protection. Jeez. Number nine, Somalia, which we knew that was going to be on here. The once the home of modern pirates or piracy, the Somalian coast is the largest stretch in Africa and has doubled, uh, has troubled reputation with piracy for years. However, since 2014, there's been a dramatic reduction in the amount of reported attacks, but that's mainly because of. Uh, Sylvester Stallone and a group of seven guys who went down and took care of a bunch of them in the Expendables. That's a joke. The Expendables didn't really do that. <laughs> and then number 10, the Bermuda Triangle. It even says here that 
the unofficial area has become steeped in myth and legend, and through the disappearance of planes and vessels, nobody knows what caused these, but superstition is enough to keep some people away. <laughs> that was a lot in there. I didn't mean to get it that deep into it. I apologize. Do you remember the movie Captain Phillips? Nope. You never saw it? Nope. Based on a true story. Huh? Yeah. Tom Hanks is the captain of this merchant ship that gets taken over by pirates. Ah, interesting. It doesn't end well for the pirates. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word you for watch it. it. It's a good movie. I think I will. Why not? So, Jerry, what do you think about the Bermuda Triangle? I think we've covered this enough to probably, I'm going to give it a thumbs down for sure. Yeah, I, I certainly do not believe at this point it needs more coverage. Uh, it had its five minutes of fame. Yeah. And uh, that's been, the, the entire conspiracy theory has been debunked. It is safe to travel in this area, safe as, you know, any other area. So, yeah, now, thumbs down. I will say, all of that being said, the oceans cover 76% of our planet, and yet we've yet to explore more than 5% of the total ocean. We know more about the surface of the moon and Mars It'll be one than of the we do we ever... our own ocean. Yeah. So, there you go. I'll just leave you with that. But I agree. Thumbs down. This doesn't need any more coverage. Um Although it's a fun and interesting topic, I think, like you say, it's been thoroughly debunked. And the 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 censure for me, the the final straw for me, is the insurance. Yep. If the insurance says you can sail through there and I'm not going to charge you anymore, then then I'd say it's, it's pretty be safe. safe. <laughs> Absolutely. They will never pass up on an opportunity to charge higher rates. If Absolutely. Anything to justify it. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there we go. One in the thing that we, one in the can, Jerry, that we actually, do, we decided we don't believe in. Not a lot of those, but there will be some. I'm impressed. Man, that episode is really interesting. And if you'll stick around for us for just a few commercials, we have another great story to tell you. Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. When it comes to buying a home, the process can be overwhelming and confusing. With so many options, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why it's important to work with a certified mortgage loan originator. I have the knowledge and expertise to guide you through the process and find the best mortgage option for you. I will work with you every step of the way to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible. So if you're looking to purchase or refinance, please reach out to me at 502-680-0953. So don't take on the stress of buying a home alone. Work with me and I will make your dream a reality. Trust the professionals and make your home buying experience a positive one. MLS ID 448908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS ID 227262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is equal housing opportunity. If you want us to review or rate your product on air, if you have suggestions for new episodes, awesome ghost stories, or anything else, please reach out to us. Our email address is newsworthywithstephenjerry at gmail.com. Our text number is area code 540-709-1318. And now, back to the story. At 40, Franz Kafka, who had never married and had any children, 
was walking through a park one day in Berlin when he met a girl who was crying because she had lost her favorite doll. She and Franz searched for the doll unsuccessfully. Franz told her, meet me back here tomorrow and we will look some more for the doll. The next day, when they had not found the doll, Franz gave the girl a letter written by the doll. Said, please don't cry. I just took a trip to see the world. I will write you all about my adventures. Thus began a story that would continue until the end of Franz's life. During their meetings, Franz read the letters of the doll, carefully written about adventures and conversations that the girl just found adorable. Finally, Franz brought back the doll, he had bought one, and said that it had returned to Berlin. And although the girl says, it doesn't look anything like my doll, Franz handed her another letter that the doll had written saying, hey, my travels have changed me. The girl hugged the new doll was, that he had bought and took her home, happy as she could be. A year later, Franz passed away. Many, many years later, the now a girl, adult girl found a letter inside the doll. The tiny letter signed by France was written, Everything you love will probably be lost, but in the end, love will always return in another way. Embrace change. It's inevitable for growth, and together we can shift pain into wonder and love. But it's up to us to consciously and intentionally create that connection. Written by Franz Kafka, 1883-1924. And Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light.